Recruitment. At its core, it's about matching people with organizations. But with all the twists and turns, you might mistake talent acquisition for a thriller novel. Adrian Russo, innovator and co-founder of Recruit Locator, is bringing you a fresh podcast with style. This is Recruiting is a Cluster. From the preposterous to the practical, you'll hear stories from the field to help you stay on trend as we reshape recruitment for a brave new era and hopefully crack a smile while we're at it. Buckle up, it could be a wild ride. Here's Adrian. Welcome to another episode of the Recruiting is a Cluster podcast. My name is Adrian Russo and I am the host for the show. I am the co-founder of Recruit Locator along with Joanne Berg. If you have any recruiting needs, I highly suggest you reach out to Joanne. She is an amazing recruiting professional who boasts over 20 years of industry experience. She's able to help you out with any recruiting or talent acquisition needs that you have. Her information along with the Recruit Locator website will be in the show notes below. I want to start off by saying thank you to our growing audience. Our last episode had the best first day listens of any episode to date. A big thank you to Gaurav Shinde. I also have to thank our listeners. I continue to receive a lot of feedback from all of you on various social media platforms and the Recruit Locator website. When I started this podcast, I set out to do something different. I wanted to take recruiting moments and recruiting lessons and put an interesting spin on it. We decided to do that by telling interesting stories about the recruiting process. Anyone that's been involved in recruiting knows that recruiting is indeed a cluster. It's a calamity of errors that often winds up with very interesting stories to tell. Those stories often have teachable moments. While I thought this was a good idea, I did not expect the feedback that we've received. We continue to nearly double our listens week after week. Between last week and this week, we've received double the ratings on iTunes. We currently have a five-star rating on iTunes, and we continue to get positive feedback. After I mentioned that we'll be doing an Ask Me Anything episode, the questions started to pour in. We do have other guests lined up. However, we will have an Ask Me Anything episode in the coming weeks. If you have any questions or if you have anything that you'd like to get answered, I highly encourage you to email adrian at recruitlocator.com. We'll take the most interesting questions and we'll answer them on air. We are pleased to welcome our next guest. To date, we've had all engineers on the program. It's been very tech focused. This next guest brings a different perspective on hiring. She has a distinguished background leading various organizations in customer success. She's led many organizations in account management, growing and building teams in every single role. This next guest is a leader in the association and federal space. She is a former leader in corporate relations at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and a current member of the AFCEA International Board of Directors. We are pleased to welcome our next guest, Teresa Fox. Teresa, thank you for your time and welcome to Recruiting as a Cluster podcast. Hey, Adrian. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. How are you? I'm well, and the pleasure is all mine. You're actually the first guest on the show who is not an engineer, so we're really interested to get your perspective on hiring and recruiting. Well, I will take that as a compliment. I do like to think of myself as a translator between those who speak tech and those who don't, uh, and that has proven to be really valuable for my SaaS firm, so thank you. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your SaaS firm. So I work for a company called Technowile. We're located in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, uh, catered to all of the big cons. We are a SaaS firm providing software solutions and uh, competitive insights. We are 100% purpose-built for the government contracting and aerospace and defense industry. 
um, particularly if you do a lot of work for the government, but we are hiring. We are in a period of growth, which I'm so proud and excited to say during um, this time that we're living in with COVID. If you are looking for a job and you're a developer and engineer, you're familiar with Salesforce, Microsoft Dynamics, we need you. We are looking for you. We're really looking to beef up our delivery team right now. Uh, thanks to all of this growth. So I know you're a recruiter and that's who we're talking to. If anybody wants to send anyone over our way, we are looking for unicorns. So during this time where everyone's staying at home, there's a large dip in hiring. You guys are actually doing the opposite and you're ramping up. Well, I attribute that to our sales team and to our industry, right? Because we're not working in an industry that just stopped. We cater to the government contracting and aerospace and defense industry. They're continuing to work on contracts that they receive for the government. The government is still putting contracts out there that they need to bid on. And that's what we help them do. We help with everything from pre-sales to post-award for capture, analytics, task order management, and contract lifecycle management. These are all things that are going to continue to always be valuable to these industries. That is what we cater to. That's what we do. They're always looking for uh, better tools to help them be more proficient, especially in this time of COVID when everybody's working from home because we operate off of the cloud. They're able to do this no matter where they are, depending on their security. If they're allowed to use mobile devices, they can even use that to access our tools. We're 100% native to both Salesforce and Microsoft Dynamics, Dynamics, and that's how they're getting their jobs done. Well, wow, so this is really a perfect example of how the government and those associated with the federal government are sort of insulated to some of the effects of COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Because like I said, the work doesn't stop. They have to keep doing what they're doing. They have to keep winning the business, managing the contracts that they've already won, and we're providing them with the capabilities to do that in agile and efficient ways. So in doing research before the show, I noticed that Technomile recently received a new round of funding from private equity. How has that affected your hiring? Well, as I mentioned earlier, we are in a period of growth and that comes from some of the funding that we received from the PE because now we're able to go out and look for these positions and be able to pay these true unicorns what they're worth to come and work for us and cater to these enterprise customers who we work with on a daily basis. So our hiring has really ramped up and that is something that we take seriously and we all contribute to as a team. We do a lot of hiring committees, which I've been a part of in the past. And I'm a huge fan of them because I think that it really gives you a, you know, 360 degree picture of what you're going to be doing in your new role, who you're going to be working with, and what is going to be expected of you from different areas of the organization. Just to tee it up for our listeners, why don't you tell us a little bit about the story where it didn't go so well at the previous company? I'll say that the last hiring committee that I was on before this current role, it was a little bit awkward because we were hiring for my boss. And that's awkward to begin with. And he's not just my boss, but he was going to be other people's bosses as well. He was going to have a lot of other individuals rolling up to him. So you have this large group of people interviewing our new boss. And I can't, I cannot stress enough how awkward that is anyway, but also very appreciated. I, I like that we were being asked for our input because I think that's important. But the 
company that I was working for at the time, they, they weren't good about confidentiality. Okay. So we have a large group of people interviewing a new boss. I don't think that the executives had gotten involved in the process until after he was vetted by us. You have different personalities offering different perspectives across the board. And now, mind you, like any situation, there are pros and cons to a hiring committee. And I'll already tell you that I am in favor. I think that there are more pros than cons. And things that I'm listing now that might sound like cons, I actually believe are pros. But this was a bit of a a trying time for that organization because they were going through their own growth spurt. And I'm not sure how well we were managing it. I think that we were hanging on by a thread in a lot of areas as we were trying to fill roles that maybe sat vacant for too long or didn't get enough consideration that it truly needed. I like hiring committees because of the communication that happens and the collaboration between the team members who were talking after they interview a person. There wasn't much of that going on with this process. We were voting and contributing information through like SurveyMonkey or something like that. And I think our HR team was reading the comments, but I don't know, there, there was no conversation about it. And I think that's where things really fell through the cracks because it became a voting. Which candidate do you like the best? Well, this candidate got 10 points. This candidate got eight points. This one got 12. I think that the conversation is the important part behind that. So look, spoiler alert, the guy was hired and I quit six weeks later. That's how bad it was. That's, I mean, it was, it was a tough situation, but that is the only example of a bad hiring committee experience that I have. In every other scenario, it's gone really well. So in this situation, it seems like the inverse of what typically happens transpired. Usually what happens is you'll have the team members meet with the boss after the executives have vetted them. It sounds like in this case, the candidate met with the team members, and then once there was a final selection, they met with the executives, which is kind of backwards. I think what happened was that our HR team had brought to us a collection of people. Like I said, you know, we were in a period of growth, and it was just an ugly period of growth. Good overall, but it's an ugly period of growth where people are strapped for time and covering different roles and things like that. And so I think what happened in an effort to save our executives time was that HR picked out a handful of candidates, ran them through the committees, and then put them in front of the executives to say, hey, these are your guys, which I actually appreciate more if if it had been done correctly. And so it's interesting because I have this funny story where I went really badly and I left after six weeks and then I have this really good story where it went super well and function the way that it's supposed to. And then at the end of the day, I got an awesome boss out of it. So one of the things you mentioned, and you mentioned this twice, is that you left six weeks later. Did anyone else leave shortly after this person came on board? Oh my God, it was a waterfall. I wasn't even the first person to leave. Another one of my teammates was the first person to leave. I think she left maybe like three or four weeks and I left six weeks after. And then if I'm correct, I believe that that guy didn't even stay for two years. He left as well. I mean, clearly it did not work out. We did not vet in that process the way that we should have. So it sounds like one of the lessons here is the executives need to get their candidates in line first 
to make sure that the candidates are able to execute their intent and that the team needs to then find who their best fit is because we already have an existing team in place that this executive will inherit. Has that been your experience? What I will say is that the conversation, I think, is the most important part. It doesn't matter who's vetting whom first, but I think that the conversation is the important part for everybody across the board because it's important for the interviewee as well as for the org team, right? It gives you a better idea of the open role, um, what what other people will expect from you in that role beyond what is described to the recruiter from a single thread. It's giving you a better idea of the team you'll be working with, how and in what capacity. We talked about my background. I come from the SAS world now. We're deeply entrenched in government contracting and the aerospace and defense industry, as has been for most of my previous experience. So I think it's safe to take a general title, such as a BD manager that everyone can relate to, and break that down as an example. So if I came to you, Adrian, and I said, I need to hire a BD manager, how would you interpret that, and what would you ask me? I would ask you a lot of questions about what are some of the things that are important in this role? What are some of the skills this person needs to have? What type of background should they come from in industry? What are their core responsibilities gonna be? How should they interact with the team? What are their team dynamics? Things of that nature. And do you normally get that from one person or do you get that from multiple people? No, I would wanna to talk to almost the entire team or at least the key stakeholders on the team. Okay, see I would think about it more broadly. And if I were interviewing, I would be cautious to first define what a BD manager is doing for ABC organization. Is it inside sales? Is it outside sales? Am I traveling? Am I conference hopping? Do I have to demo the products on a whim? Who's calling the shots? Am I reporting more to sales, to marketing? Is it a hybrid of both? Am I supposed to develop new business and new logos? Or is this more of a role where I'm maintaining something and one where they want me to cross-sell and upsell into accounts that we already have. So who's the supporting team for me in this effort? Who am I going to have to collaborate with? Where are my, coll my collateral materials coming from? Who's fulfilling delivery once I've sold that business? And how involved do I have to be throughout the life cycle of the process from generating the new business to delivering it and maintaining the relationship? I mean, you're talking about, at bare minimum, we're talking about sales marketing, delivery, and customer success at the very least, right? So it's not even just the team of who's going to be reporting to that person or vice versa. We could also probably add support into that list because depending on how large or small your organization is, you might even be rubbing elbows with product development because your boots on the ground. If all of that is housed under the title of a BD manager, I'm going to come back to you and ask the question again. If that's what we're doing, how many people would you want to speak to before accepting that role? Particularly if you're going to be carrying a quota for millions of dollars. I would want to talk to as many people as I could. So both from an internal perspective as well as the interviewer coming into a company, I'm going to go back to saying it's about the communication and what we're able to pick out as a team on the inside of the organization and what the interviewee is able to piece together for something that's so general, such as a BD manager role. So you bring up a great point. It's not just the new candidate's team that should be included in the process. It's also any individuals that they'll work closely with at the organization. It sounds like that wasn't done at this particular company. Have you seen that done in other companies? And what would you say works well with hiring committees? You know, I think that what I'm seeing today is 
a really great example of how it should work, okay? Because we're starting at the very top, if we're going to flow down to how we get to this, to this interviewee, right? We're starting at the very top with an exceptional recruiter. She's amazing. She's got an eye for uniforms. So she's not wasting our time with candidates. We know that when she brings somebody in, they're already knowledgeable. She's vetted them. That's not easy to do in the tech space, by the way. So, you know, my hat goes off to any, any tech recruiters who can bring somebody in who we genuinely feel good about talking to. We don't feel like they're faking it. We feel like they understand what we do. They can take on the code. Um, she's really bringing us unicorns who can also customer face with us because that's a huge part of what we do. If there are you know, customizations or configurations that are going into the product, they've got to be able to handle that. And so she's bringing us people who know what to do. So we're, we're being teed up with good candidates. And I think beyond the point I made about conversation, that's the most important thing that you can do. You've got to get good people in there. And so what's different or what's improved or what's the best way to do this, you start with a good recruiter. So you get that good recruiter in and you're going to have good candidates come in. So that's been a common theme in these episodes. Everyone seems to think that all of this starts with recruiting, which I also concur with. It sounds like you have a great recruiter at your organization, and it sounds like in past times you've also had challenges. Aside from recruiting, uh, what are some of the other things that went right with your current organization and how they're doing hiring? I mean, we have a great team. Where Whenever I am speaking to somebody about a new role, I tell about, about my own new if I were looking today, one of the things that you'll hear me talk about in my own interviews is that I look for places that are familial. I like to like the people who I work with. You are there with them day in and day out when we're not dealing with COVID, and they become part of your family. You know, you go through the trenches with these people, especially when you're working under really crazy deadlines, and you've got to get people up and operational. You cannot mess with an enterprise's time or money that are looking for their contract information, they need to be able to manage the data that they put in your hands, right? So you've got to be really comfortable with these people. So I come back to the conversation and the ties that you have as a team and being able to speak about the candidates that you're interviewing and being able to give those candidates a, a true picture of what they're going to be doing and who they're going to be working with, right? Because if you go back to my BD example, I'll tell you that my example is director of accounts. What does that mean? It means all kinds of things, right? I manage relationships. I look for new business. I stay on board with my customers through their delivery process. We don't lose touch. And so it doesn't matter if we're hiring for somebody on the sales team, if we're hiring for customer success, if we're hiring for delivery, they're going to be working with me really closely. And so one of the most important things that you can do when hiring a person, both for them and for the organization, is to be able to provide them with an accurate picture of what they're going to be doing, who they're going to be working with, and what is all going to be encompassed in this role. Um, and so I think it really does boil down to having a good recruiter, having a, a good and open team who collaborates well with each other and who can bring those true pictures up, and then being able to communicate that not only internally within the organization, but also to the interviewee as well. So having a, an open team that communicates, that has that familial relationship, they sound like they're all important things. 
and it sounds like that's led to success. The one question I would ask is, were those things existent in the previous organization where the hiring committee did not make such a good choice? No, I don't think so. I, I think that we were truly too siloed and not because we started out that way. I love the team from the, the previous example that I gave where I hired the wrong boss. Look, it was, it's an awesome team. I'm in touch with them today. They really are like family to me. But we got to a point where even those who we get along and we go out and we hang out with each other, we were so siloed in our roles at that time because there was so much to be done that you couldn't like, you had horse blinders on, right? You were focusing on your screen and your screen only and you were moving from one thing to the next. You didn't have time during the day. I remember being so tired during those days. I was working such long hours during those days because we didn't have that box in place yet. And we were hiring for other other people who were lateral to my role. And you were so focused and in the weeds on your own account and what you had to do for that day because they're truly, I mean, how many of us think that there are enough hours in the day to get through everything that we need to be? But it was such, it was such an intense time during that period of growth, again, you know, such an intense time, acquiring new accounts, adding them to your portfolio, not being able to really branch out, that even the way things are for me today, we schedule that time to talk about the candidates. Nobody was scheduling that time back then. We, we basically filled out our form and submitted it, and that was it. And it was, you know, maybe walking through the halls, it was like, hey, what did you think about this guy? What did you think about that guy? Oh, really? Me too. Okay, cool. Bye. So we're really driving home that communication is important amongst the hiring team. But what advice do you have for the recruiters out there? I would just go back to the point that you need to speak to all the stakeholders of the position, especially those ones that touch a lot of different departments. Don't just talk to the boss who has a vacancy that she needs to hire for, right? Go talk to the representatives of other departments who are going to work closely with that position. So you have a 360 view of how everyone functions together and their expectations, and you're able to put out a really accurate job description, right? Because for, for the hiring process internally, I said it starts with a really great recruiter. But for the interviewee, the journey starts with the job description as they're shopping or it gets sent to them or however it lands in their lap. That's where they'll say, yes, I'm a good fit for this, or no, that is well beyond my wheelhouse. And you'll start saving time for everyone from that point on, finding the best fit and hopefully uh, giving you a smooth process going forward with really great results across the board. So that's a really great point to bring up for hiring managers. And for all the hiring managers listening, I would just mention that every single guest that we've had on the show has mentioned how important it is for you to write and for you to communicate with your recruiters on these job descriptions. So that's a great point that you raise. So lastly, Teresa, how can our guests get in contact with you if they'd like to reach out? My personal email is really easy. It's T as in Tom, O as in Oscar, V as in Victor, and then F-O-X, like the animal fox, at gmail.com. You guys can uh, send me a note, let me know what you're looking for, what you're interested in, if you'd like to know more about us and our uh, roadmap and plans for the future. We are looking for people, like I said, and this is gonna be an ongoing process. Teresa, it's been great having you on the show. I really appreciate your time and best of luck with all your hiring. Oh, thank you, friend. It was awesome to be on with you. I hope I was able to provide some insight. Uh, look forward to chatting with you more in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. 
That's another episode of Recruiting is a Cluster with Adrian Russo. To learn more about Adrian and how Recruit Locator can support your business in this brave new world, visit recruitlocator.com. Please subscribe and join us again next time as we untangle this beautiful mess that is recruitment. Cheers. That's another episode of Recruiting is a Cluster with Adrian Russo. To learn more about Adrian and how Recruit Locator can support your business in this brave new world, visit recruitlocator.com. Please subscribe and join us again next time as we untangle this beautiful mess that is recruitment. Cheers.